Hi, my name is Jorge M. Sanchez, and you are listening to JMS Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Today's guest is the one and only Socorro. Socorro, she's a great musician. I had her here, and we talked it out about music, the blues, and what inspires her. And she even performed a great song at the very end. So please stay tuned to the end of the conversation for her studio performance here at the JMS Podcast. Um, Yeah, I'm... Sakura is one of those people I am surprised to not have met yet. Uh, t- after talking to her, after a while, we find out that we have similar friends in the same circles. And the thing is about San Jose, San Jose is pretty big, but at the same time it's pretty small, where eventually everybody knows each other, especially in the music scene. And I'm just surprised that it took me this podcast to finally meet her and actually listen to her music. And I'm very glad I did. I, I think uh, her music is fantastic. When I listened to her EP before I, I, she came on here, I did some a little bit of research. Uh, I went to her band camp at Sakura Music, and I was blown away. First song, blown away. And I, I mentioned later in the conversation, but that song did make me cry. Uh, it, it definitely did because she had that 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 it sound. The, the 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 you know when this she's singing she ain't singing because she wants to sing she's singing because she's letting her soul sing and I think that's very special when you can find a, a musician like that so stay tuned for our conversation that's coming up a couple developments and news uh, first things first JMS podcast has an official patreon account that's right please help support JMS podcast here. Uh, if you could subscribe like a monthly one dollar, that's all. If that's all it takes, then that is awesome. Uh, I really appreciate everybody in the community who are supporting this podcast uh, because at the end of the day, this podcast is meant for the community. At the end of the day, the musicians, the comedians, the writers, the interesting creative people that I get as guests here are to put them out there for the community to learn about them. At the same time, to get exposure for their uh, content. Uh, and I, I feel JMS Podcast so far, we've I've been doing it pretty successfully, I want to say, uh, because it's been over a year and I am continuously making these episodes on a weekly basis for the most part. And therefore, I think it's a, it's a success so far um, because in the beginning, I did not make, think I was going to make it this far. I, I only thought I was going to last a couple episodes, maybe an episode or two a month. Nope. I've been having consistent guests every week. For the most part and I learned something new with every guest and that is why it is very important for me uh, to take in donations because I can really use some help when it comes to paying off hosting fees online and the website and on top of that to invest in, in better equipment so I can get the best sound quality here in the studio and also for the video I, I make uh, I'm not sure if you knew but JMS podcast does have a YouTube channel where I record musicians playing music and so you should check that out. So all this money that I will make by Patreon or GoFundMe, if you haven't checked out the GoFundMe account, uh, will go towards making this podcast better. And and already I'm grateful for what it is now. And I'm grateful for all the people who have supported this podcast and all the guests that, that have come on. And I can't say enough. Please check out the Patreon website. Search JMS Podcast. If not, you can just follow JMS Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And I'm sure I'll put up a link there. 
saying Patreon account. So there you go. That's my Patreon spiel. Please check it out and share it around. Because the more people know about it, the better. All right, so let's move on to our conversation with Sokora. I'm going to play one of her songs from her uh, demo EP. It's called St. Paul. Enjoy it. can connect it straight to your iPhone or your iPad and like record with you know an XLR like condenser mic or something like that with phantom power it's pretty crazy how straight to your iPhone how musicians are integrating tablets and smartphones into their music I was yeah. wa- I was watching this uh, studio performance by Alabama shakes one of my favorite oh, bands I love them yeah and the, the keyboardist the, the, who plays the organ usually he was playing it on a, a tablet like on a on an Apple tablet. Oh what, yeah. Is there a word for that? An iPad. An iPad. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm I'm the worst representation of millennials because I sometimes I can't keep up with the technology. No, oh, I feel ya. Don't yeah. even worry about it. So so, anyways, and it, it just shook me. It's like, oh my god, like he's using a, because I think that the, the whole debate of technology and music. Yeah. At what point? Is there like a fine line? Because you know, I, I I'm in the philosophy that drum machines are great, mm-hmm. but they have no soul. You know, it's mm-hmm. it, it doesn't beat yeah. seeing someone play drums. Yeah, because they could improvise, they could do so many other things. Yeah, on the whim, instead of programming. Yeah, but now it's like people. I think th- I, some musicians like Alvin Shanks are using a great a mix of that of the of like technology and traditional instruments. Yeah, yeah. Have you dabbled with that? I have I mean when I do my stuff live like it's all it's all me it's all live musicians I don't 
like to, I don't like to carry that much stuff. I like to keep it as light as possible. So that you know, that's just an extra thing to bring, which means it's an extra thing to forget. And I just <laughs> I hate being unprepared for gigs. Yeah. You know, like I yeah. bring my whole rig. I'm like, oh, the venue has a mic. I'm gonna bring my mic also just in case and there's been numerous times where like i've had to use my own stuff just because the venue stuff you know it's not really working too well or you know it's it's a cafe so it's not you know quote unquote music venue so mm-hmm. they don't have like the the best stuff or anything like that or the people who work there don't really know how to use it yeah and then even that like people don't know how to take care of the stuff too like the other musicians or for open mics or wh- whatever so you find that some of the equipment's pretty like, pretty shitty. So I'm like, oh man, I can't do this. Yeah. Like, I'm I'm too too old to be dealing with this BS. You know, <laughs> it's like I gotta. You know, that's not. It's it's part of the package. I mean, you know, I, I mean, there's so much talk with like audio quality and vis, you know visual quality for like YouTube videos, especially. It's like, you know, back in the day when YouTube started in like 2004, 2005, like you could get away with singing straight into the camera mic, you know, and it mm-hmm. would be totally totally chill nowadays it's like man i don't want to watch a video with crappy audio quality you know it's like the same thing when you go to shows it's like oh man the sound kind of sucks right now and makes me want to like walk away or like go step outside and then i might not come back Mm -hmm. because it's like too loud or too quiet you know and like it's just not happening so i don't want people to to feel that way about my shows so if i can come as prepared as possible and try to eliminate those like technical difficulties then I'm going to I'm going to do that. What was um, the most difficult venue you had to deal with? Um there was just one time at, at Frascati the the uh, just the uh, XLR input for uh-huh. the for the mixer it wasn't linking up properly and so um it kept falling out so we kept getting cut out of the main speakers. Mm-hmm. And um my coworker I was doing a show with my coworker and she started when we started the show we jerry rigged it and kind of like got it to jam in there. And she starts singing, and I'm like, yay! And we're listening to her, and then it just cuts out, and she tries to be strong and go go forward. But, you know, for Scotty's like a long place, so, like, the sound needs to travel quite a distance. And, you know, there's it's noisy in there. There's people making coffee and people mm-hmm. talking and not paying attention. You know, there's just, like, lots of different things happening. And she just had to stop and was like, sorry, we got we to fix this. So then yeah. we had to, like, jerry-rig something else to, to make it stay in there. And luckily, it worked the rest of the night. Um, but that was that, that was a bummer. Yeah, it, it kind of messed up the vibe. And we we work on Saturdays, so like we were both really tired. Mm-hmm. You know, we get off work and want to come to a place and like get it together. And, <laughs> and we were just like, dang it! I hear you. That, 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 that PA needs to get you know revamped. Uh, For sure. Uh, I because I I do Wednesday night comedy there. Oh, okay, you host it? Or yes, you... I host okay, it. Okay, cool. And it's like, for me, it's always a battle with the microphones. And I was like, you know what? I'm I, going to use ports I know most people don't use because I mm-hmm. feel like the port, like especially the first one, gets overused and I think it's damaged somehow. Yeah. But well, yeah. people just jamming their you know, their cables in there yeah. and, cr- you know, cranking, you know, things up. I mean, I would say maybe most music, like musicians maybe don't know how to use the, the PA properly. So who knows? You know, they could be making themselves like, you know, uh, clip really really easily and right you know because I, yeah, I, I don't know I, I get I, like I think it's part of the ignorance in music it's like if it's louder it's better right and it's not it's, yeah and I'm a I always tell I'm a loud singer mm-hmm. so FYI I'm a I'm just like a loud guitar player and a loud singer I started as a drummer so everything is very hard hitting with Wait, me so I tell you started as a drummer I started as a drummer how did that come about <laughs> I love the drums well yeah. 
I'm 10 years old and I want to start playing the guitar, or this is what I think. All right. At 10? At 10, I was like, well, I want to play an instrument. So I don't want to play piano. I want to play guitar. Okay. Whatever. So my dad takes me to Guitar Center, the old one on Stevens. Did your parents play music? Yeah. My dad plays a little bit of everything. He's one of those, like the ear, by the ear, he can play anything. What does he do? My dad's a maintenance tech. Okay. But he. He grew up playing music? music. Yeah, my grandpa. In the Philippines, he was a touring musician wow. as well. Wow, so you come so. from a lineage of, of, of musicians. <laughs> I do. Fascinating. Yeah. And, and your grandpa was a touring musician? No, my grandpa. Phil- my your grandpa. grandpa? Yeah, my grandpa. Was- I mean, my grandma sings too. I mean, every I mean, every Filipino sings. Okay. Everybody has a karaoke machine. And I don't think it's like, it's it's, it's a stereotype, but it's pretty 100% correct. Like, well, some of the best singers come from the Philippines. <laughs> Why? Because they're practicing with the karaoke machines. we sing every single day. Um, what do you think that is? What is it about the Filipino culture that stands out where singing is such an integral part of its culture? Um, I think, I mean, I think if you look back in history for any culture, music and art is how culture gets started, in my opinion. Like, without it, you have you don't have any culture. It's It's hard to connect with people even within your your own culture it's like okay but how do i connect with some like for instance me like how do i connect with a filipino from like san diego you know like that even though we're filipino it's like okay but how do we connect and it's like the first thing we'll probably talk about is music right because harmony or dance could be a language in its own right and so i think that that's how people connect on you know you're not like oh what do you do it's like oh i work in tech oh so do i and then it's like ah, uh, well Anyways, <laughs> it's like the conversation dies right. right then and there. It's like, okay, let's talk about something else. Like, quick, quick, quick. What bands do you like? And then all of a sudden, it's like a floodgate huh. of, of topics. So um, I don't think it's just like a Filipino culture thing because I've lived in, I'm, I used to live in Morocco for Peace Corps and music was and is, you know, a huge part of that of that culture. Oh, yeah. A, a, so a lot I of think, rock bands in the 70s would go to Morocco right, for like inspiration. Right, Tangier and places like that. Yeah. So. I think it's just in any in any culture. I mean, even American culture. I just watched this documentary before coming here about um, June Carter, mm-hmm. Cash, and right. Johnny Cash. And it was really talking about her family. And they were a musical family. And they traveled all around Virginia, Tennessee, all that. And um, brought these, you know, now they're called old time songs. But they're really just like the first kind of country songs. And they just talk about everyday life. And you take those and you mix in a little bit of the blues and jazz from like New Orleans and places like that. And all of a sudden you've got rock and roll. And that's, you know, transferred all the way to the West Coast. And then in the 80s, you've got Van Halen or something like that. And it's like, whoa, how did we go from, you know, all these um, different like styles of music? But the topics, I feel like the topics haven't changed. It's the way in which the topics delivered. Hmm. So I like I told one of my students this um, we're going on a tangent here, but I told my students Check that it. I listened to. Nirvana We've been on a tangent song. this whole time. We've been on a tangent this whole time. Yeah. Um, I told one of my students that I listened to an Etta James song. Oh yeah. And then I would listen to a Nirvana song back to back, and it didn't matter to me that it was different genres. But if you listen to the lyrics, they're both talking about sad, sadness, depression, things like that. It's just you're hearing it in a different way, tonally. Mm-hmm. Musically, you know, like hers, you know, soul, R and B, stuff like that. 
and obviously grunge and a little more hard hitting. So you think that Nirvana songs might be more sad than a sad out of James song, but they're talking about the same shit. Yeah. Like life sucks and it's really hard sometimes. You know, like me, I'm a huge blues fan. Mm-hmm. Like, like, yeah. uh, like for me, when I'm playing guitar, I want to be a blues man. Yeah. Eventually, hopefully. But, and, and I was going to bring this up to you uh, because no, I, I've been to many, many concerts whether it's jazz, whether it's pop, mm-hmm. whether it's rock and roll, whether it's techno, for some reason, when I go to a blues or soul concert, I'm always crying. Yeah. I end up crying <laughs> somewhere yeah. in the yeah. show. Yeah. I cried in when the monophonics came down. Yeah. Uh, because it's it's that there's something primitive, in, integral in that s- s- music that really hits you. Yeah. Because it's, it's not much, it's not so much sadness or desperation. But it's kind of the expression, releasing this emotion right, right, right. out of you. Yeah, it's this, how it's conveyed. Right, and 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 I want to bring this up to you because I was listening to your 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 demo EP mm-hmm. and the Imagination song. Yeah, I cried. <laughs> Did you really? No bullshit, I cried. Holy shit! <laughs> be, 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 because you had that sound. <laughs> In you. Cool. you, you, you had that. It's cool. You make me cry. It's cool that I made you cry. <laughs> no, yes. but but a good cry. Yeah. Uh, because that song is about heartache. Yeah. That that song is heartache that I I related to it. It's like yes, like here I thought we I imagined we had something. Maybe it's nothing at all, and I'm blaming you for it. But you know, at the end <laughs> of it, it's really me. Yeah. Uh, well, at least that's how I interpret it. And and cool. but, but <laughs> that's really cool. <laughs> and 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 it's struck a chord and I think this is why I love the blues so much because the blues lets you uh, it gives you an opportunity to express that side of you yeah as opposed to you know hiding it with pop music or you know I mean every genre has its thing but I feel there's no real other genre like the blues maybe it could be the way the blues came about yeah you know suffering yeah but something about that I feel really is primitive in someone. Yeah. No matter where you're from. I think so too. I think every everybody has like a blues song mm-hmm. in them. Exactly. And I just found it amazing that you had that authentic blues sound to you. <laughs> well, thank you. Now, do you feel like it's something you developed or did you feel like something you always had when you started playing music at 10? I think... When I started, oh, that's what we were talking about at the beginning. Yeah, See, it, it about all, how it, I became a drummer. <laughs> it all comes around. Don't worry, I got you. Cool. You keep track. I'll yeah. just answer the questions. Yeah. Um, I think when I started playing, so I started playing the drums at ten, and I picked up the guitar at thirteen when I started writing songs and realized that writing melodies was a little difficult while playing the drums, and so I was like, <laughs> okay, well, it's a four four, or is it yeah, a three four? I know. <laughs> so I was like, wait, oh my gosh. Um, so I picked up the guitar. And I was so nervous about asking my dad for a guitar because it, it was an expensive Christmas present to ask for. It wasn't like, can I get some new socks? Right. It was, you know, I mean, hundred plus bucks, maybe. And I, I you know, so you felt the guitar was cheaper than the drums. The guitar was definitely cheaper than the drums, but I felt like, I mean, my dad used to have a Fender Stratocaster, a red one. That is beautiful. And uh, oh yeah, and I, what I don't year? know if he knows. He probably knew what this year? this whole time. Um, I think it was like a ninety one or something like uh-huh. that um he doesn't have any more he sold it to one of his co-workers a long time ago but which is a, a super bummer because i would rock the shit out of that thing but i love telecasters so right but i also have a strap but anyways um 
yeah, I was like sneaking around. He probably knows this already, but I haven't actually told him. But I was sneaking around when he would like be at work, like playing his guitar and like. And I'm actually left-handed, but I think be- he's right-handed, so I started messing around on a right-handed, you know, regular guitar. So now I play right-handed style, which is fine because now I can go to any shop and pick up any guitar, and it's I can jam on anything. But then I asked for a guitar, so I still have it, and I I played with it last week at City Hall, but it's this black rogue like cutaway guitar and it was I don't know if my dad just thought like this would be a perfect size guitar because I think the size of the guitar allowed me to grow into it but it was it's not a huge guitar so I would play for hours and hours and hours because it was comfortable to play so that that was I think a big part of it was just finding like a guitar that he knew I could like because I'm small to like wrap my body around but you know, when I, I when I was 13, I loved NSYNC and Spice Girls and Destiny's Child and all that stuff. And But I never felt like that's the kind of music that I could see myself singing, like, aside from, like, in the car. You know, like, goofing around, karaoke with my friends, whatever. Um, so probably singing all that blues stuff was always inside of me. It just really hasn't come out until the past couple of years, like, singing that style. And What happened? I don't know. I think I, you know, I grew up. And I was just like, man, fuck this shit. Like, I'm just going to do the music I like doing. And every time I pick up the guitar, I want to sing old country songs, Johnny Cash, Elvis Presley. But I love Motown and Carole King. And so, like, mixing that, those two, do two different types of, like, soul power to me. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I think Carole King is one of the best musicians oh, yeah. ever. Tapestry album gotta love it one of the best best musicians um and she had soul and she wrote these great songs with with um with her husband and um these songs that resonate to this day and i just i love them so so much and then i love elvis presley my first song i taught myself how to play was that's all right mama Mm. by elvis presley very first song and it's three chords it was the first three chords my dad taught me so it was like not too out of my comfort zone realm i was like all right three chords it's all you need which you... which were the was it the uh... uh a d and e actually there's yeah. an a7 in there so technically it's not that hard chords, though but nah, it's you're right just there. leaning off the middle it's one. right there yeah. yeah exactly so um yeah so, you know so i think like my love for for elvis and johnny cash was something i didn't necessarily want to share when i was a young preteen teenager because it wasn't it wasn't cool. It wasn't with the trend. It wasn't what people were listening to in high school. But I was also madly in love with like Hoobastank and Incubus and Blink and Green Day and all that stuff too. I loved all that Nirvana, Foo Fighters, all of that music. So I think, you know, for me, just leaning as I get older, um, just, tr- yeah, just being like hell i'm just gonna Whoa. sing what i want to sing and when i open my mouth and sing this is what it sounds like and being okay with that and when i was 14 i was not okay with that i was like this sounds weird i want to sing like quote like a girl i want to that's what i was thinking what is I mean, that? What, right what, is that? what the fuck does that mean <laughs> you brought it up what does that mean for I you think, i think like i mean to to get feminist here but i think that when like girls when people see girls with the guitar, I think they they think they're only gonna sing a certain way. I think they they think we're gonna sing like Colby Calais, and oh. I I like Colby Calais a lot, mm-hmm. but I think that there's other musicians, other female musicians that girls could also 
sing like and they do but I think the perception is because many people have come up to me after shows shaking my hand and saying I didn't expect that from you and I think it's it's I know they mean it as a compliment but I I also take it as well what did what did you so you found it insulting a little bit because I'm like well what did you think I was gonna sound like up here like you know I'm a small petite girl with a little Taylor guitar like did they think I was gonna sing just like sappy shit and i'm like no do you feel <laughs> it's not me i mean this may be the obvious but do you feel the way music's perceived in the uh, mainstream media could be a factor of that for Absolutely. exactly for american idol for you know all these shows yeah. where they yeah. want they want a distinct pop sound yeah they want a um, character i hate those shows because i had a funny story about that it's actually that not that funny but i i had a friend <laughs> she's from sweden uh-huh. and she came here to study this was going to danza and uh, she said that when she was younger, she wanted to be a singer. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Why'd you stop? And she goes, oh, you know, the, the in Sweden, there's a certain sound they want girls to sound like. Right. But I was like, oh, well, you know, sing me something. And she sang. And for me, she had that bluesy sound to her yeah. soulful voice, which I found so gorgeous and beautiful. And I was like, if I was a, a music producer, I want to, like, produce an album with you right, right now because right. you have that much potential and she says no this kind of sound will not work in sweden in sweden they they want you know that pop sound of, of mm-hmm. you know and, and and that's why she can never really make it and yeah. i felt sad because i was like he, here is somebody and i'm sure there are countless, countless others who were turned away yeah just because they, they sound men and different. women it's yeah, not just both. women but yeah for sure and for me, it, it struck a chord with me. I was like, man, like, because for me, I was into blues. So yeah. for, for me, Etta James, uh, Nina Simone. Yeah. Like, she had that that style of voice. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Aretha Franklin. Yeah. And and I just to this to this day, we actually like it's years passed by, and I uh, and she we caught up on Facebook, and I'm like, hey, you're still singing? She goes, yeah, I guess I should do that yeah. for fun at least. I mean, shit. Go do, go do some open mics. You never know who's in the audience. Right. I mean, yeah. I So so for me, I, you know, yeah, when I do shows now, that that's a lot of the, hey, you sound like Tracy Chapman, which I'm like, cool. Really? Mm-hmm. I didn't. Okay. Awesome. Tracy Chapman's hella cool. And then right after, I didn't expect that from you. And I'm like, I don't un- Like, I understand it, and I don't understand, like, why that's still a, an, like, an issue. It's not mm-hmm. like... You know, but I try to get over it as quickly as possible because I'm just like, well, well cool. Converted you. You bought a CD. On to the next one. Like, let's keep this going. Like, let's break this whatever weird, like, It strikes boundary. something in you, though, does it not? Like, oh, yeah. It pisses you, me off. Do, do you feel like in your life you're, you're being judged almost unfairly? Everybody's being judged. Yeah. But, but you person. specifically, is there, like, a certain factor? Um, no, I think, I think it honestly is a girl with an acoustic guitar I mean primarily I perform with acoustic guitar once in a while I'll do a show with me and the electric guitar but mm-hmm. I think it is that perception of like sappy girl singer songwriters and that's what they think is gonna happen mm-hmm. and I am I think like it's okay anything it's just the headphones, it's just the headphones. Yeah. anything like but that yeah I th- you know I think I mean I sing sad songs but I try and like take a cue from Sarah Bareilles is like my favorite musician like contemporary musician mm-hmm. um and uh, I love the way that she's able to write these sad and clever and like really like fu songs, but in this very like happy piano riff. <laughs> right. And I find that I find there's like there's comedy in that, and she's I feel like she's laughing 
at people who have like effed with her her life your whole life you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. she's been picked on things like that and i think like that's her way of maybe for herself like covering up some of the pain but letting just a little bit out so people can see what's going on but i'm gonna cover it up with this killer like piano riff it's her way of coping it's her way of coping and i find it really genius i'm mm-hmm. like that's so funny because you're getting people in with that hook and then they're fans of yours because you're super awesome. And then they listen to your lyrics and they're like, oh, man. Well, it's hella sad. <laughs> how, how have your songwriting changed from when you started songwriting to it, how it is now? I try not to overthink it. Again, when I was 14, I was, you know, I think every kid, I work with kids now and I see this with my students, especially my female students. You know, they're just overly concerned about the way they look and the way they dress and and the way they act and everything. And I think that's just part of, it's part of growing up, but it's really hard for girls to be, to be like that, um, to to be feeling that, and always, I may be constantly feeling like they're alone in in this. Like everybody hates me. Like I look terrible and ugly, and my voice sucks. And I'm just like, no, everything different about you that you hate right now is everything someone's gonna love about you in the future, and you're gonna eventually love about yourself. It just takes time. But like telling a kid that it's gonna take time is like like the end of the world <laughs> to them, you know. Right. Um, so I think when I was their age and started writing songs, I thought I had to write songs like I hear on the radio. But then also knowing that I'm not Britney Spears, I'm not Christina Aguilera, like I'm not gonna sing those types of songs. I'm not gonna be that type of person. I don't want to be that type of person. So as I've gotten older, the songwriting, I, I don't think about it too much. If I think about it too much, then it feels really fake. So a lot of my songs happen pretty quickly because I'm just like, let's just write it because usually the first go is when I mean it the most Mm -hmm. and that's really what I meant to say and then it's like, okay, well, let's just kind of make this a little bit more grammatically correct in this sense or, you know, a little bit of tweaks but if, you know, if you over edit then it it becomes less and less real to me so I think that's how it's it's just quicker for me now. I think it's a great way to look at it. I spit it out. It's like rapping. <laughs> yeah. Just spitting it out and then they're like, okay, that line was cool. Write that down. Write that down. If it, I don't remember it, then it maybe it wasn't even worth it in the first place. So, Right. Yeah. Because when you just say it, you know, yeah. it comes from a place of meaning it. Right. And that's how I write songs. It's pretty improvisational. Um, I just kind of toy around with the guitar and walk around my room around my house and just sing nonsense until I hit a melody that I like. Yeah. And then... Depending on that, sometimes some words will just like come out and I'll just roll with it for like 20 minutes. And it'll, if it turns into like half a song, then I'll like record it real quick. And then I might come back to it like the next day or something like that. So I don't, I don't spend too much time writing songs. Like it's pretty, I try and make it as quick as possible. Hmm. Um, which I think some artists probably take a, they take a lot longer than I do. And some, you know, write faster than I do but that's kind of my process so it's not like I sit down and like today I'm gonna write a song it's like it never happens like that every time I do that it's like ugh. yeah so it's usually when I'm doing something else and I zone out for a second like for instance I was watching Gossip Girl re-watching binge watching Gossip Girl on Netflix on Netflix yeah and my guitar is sitting you know my guitar is always within like arm's length so I pick up my guitar and then I just start with this riff and I wrote this whole song about gossip girl and not you know just about like the like I, I call it evil eye it's gonna be on the, like the ep that comes out but um 
it kind of just talks about how people love that the addict like they're addicted to that attention of of like being in like in high school like being in that gossip it's like oh i want to know who what happened to this person and this person and it's like you can't stop it almost like you're just swarming in this circle and you're like i don't know how to get out of it and you feel like you want to get out of it but you also don't want to be left out because everybody else knows what's going on and you want to know what's going on so but that song came in like 20 minutes Hmm. as i was watching an episode i was just like oh i'm just gonna write this real quick (laughs) and then i put it away and i was like okay fascinating yeah so you teenage years you're playing music yeah and then no i'm not playing music when i was a teenager no you you just learned i was too afraid the guitar i was too too afraid afraid. i picked up the guitar and i like joined guitar club in high school um but i didn't audition for anything i was in choir but never wanted to take a lead nothing because i was like uh, my voice isn't good enough i'm not a front person you know what i'm saying like all that confidence issues that what what age what age did that change it wasn't until I was 18. I auditioned for my senior year talent show, didn't make it, and then went to college and then just decided, well, hell, no one, only one person knows me here, so no one knows me, pretty much. And this person's my friend, so she's super supportive. And um, I just did the, the first year talent show, got like third place or something, and after, like a week later, this girl asked me to join the acapella group at school. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh. What school is this? I went to UC Merced. UC Merced. Okay. Um, How was that? It's pretty out there. It was awesome. Yeah. I loved it. I was part of the first class, so I got to be involved in a lot of the development of the school. It's a new school? It was brand new. Really? It's, yeah. How, how long ago was this? Um, I graduated college in 2009. 2009, okay. So 2005. 2005. Um, 18. And... I do not know that. It's fascinating. Yeah. How was that to go to a university where everything was still developing? Um, you know, there was its challenges because we didn't have... T- the typical college experience but at at the same time you know I just went to a wedding of one of my really great college friends and um I was writing back up with another friend from college and we were talking about how like the mindset of kids that graduated and especially in our classroom UC Merced is like we are entrepreneurs we are go-getters because that's how we grew up in college is like something's not started well let's figure out how we can get it started it was not like you know not everything was laid out for us so yeah. You know, we just have this mentality of like work hard, play hard, <laughs> like yeah. you know, get it done and if you work hard you can get a result. Yeah. It may not be 100% what you wanted it to be, but you'll get something on the other end of it, but you got to push through the mud a little bit. And um so, you know, and I was like, "Oh yeah, you know, I never thought about that, but I look at a lot of my friends who I graduated with and they're all doing you know, go-getter type things, really independent people and hard workers mm-hmm. and I think a lot of that has to do with you know when you're 18 you graduate high school you're like hell yeah I'm an adult and then you go to college and you're like shit <laughs> it's like high yeah. school because you're a freshman again but then like, uh, no one knows you no one gives a flying hell yeah. who you are and you have to make your own path and at a smaller school that was easier to do it's easier to like be an individual but also find your people at the same time and you were very involved with the music um, yeah, I got to be, I did the acapella group and then I started performing a lot for the campus events. And um, when I turned 21, I was able to do the stuff at the bars, like open mics at the bars. And I helped start an open mic night at a frozen yogurt shop. And So you, you ran a mic yourself? Um, well, no, I just like brought it up to the owners. I was oh. like, hey, you guys should do open mic. You have a great space and it could be all ages because 
there's not really a lot of places to play at in Merced, um, especially at the time. So what was great to see was it wasn't just UC Merced kids doing this open mic night. It was the guys that I would see at the bars. They'd come and do the open mic because it was on a different night. And I'd see high school students there. I'd see like teachers there. I was like, wow, all walks of life, they all want a spot to, you know, express themselves. And, um, you know, you don't always want to go to a bar on a Monday night. And thank, you know, so grateful for my friends who would come out to a bar nine o'clock at night on Monday and watch me sing at an open mic for like 20 minutes, maybe. Maybe it was only 10 or something like that. So I love them for doing that. But, you know, not everybody wants to do that. I didn't want to do it every Monday, but it was a place for me to play. So. I did it pretty regularly, but and it creates a community. Exactly, right. that's the most important part. Mm-hmm. I think a I mean, supportive community. A supportive community. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Which... So it was nice to like see it happen with other people in Merced, not just college students, but like na- native Mercedians or whatever. You know, like it was cool to see the other the community come out. And I believe you went to Morocco as I did. Pa- as part of the, the Peace Corps. Yep, right after college, like two months after I got home where did that decision come from i had been wanting to do peace corps since i was 17 so it was a long winded thing and i applied my whole senior year of college and got in and two months after i got home got on a plane with one of my friends from college and we went to morocco for a couple years (laughs) the peace corps don't the you don't have a choice where you go right or do you you have like a geographical at least when i was applying you had like a geographical preference so i think like most people i said africa mm-hmm. and like most people i assumed south africa <laughs> right and i got the complete opposite and i was like holy shit morocco yeah, yeah. Hmm. yeah. how was that experience for you i loved morocco i think the thing with peace corps and is that you become hyper hyper at least i did hyper hyper aware of my very bad days in my very happy days so bad days were really really bad Mm -hmm. just because i lived by myself in a village where no one spoke english and if they did it was really broken worse than my arabic english so like you couldn't really you know you couldn't fully communicate your feelings and so you were just felt like alone in this and not you didn't always have cell phone reception so you couldn't always call a peace corps volunteer and be like man because you just technology you couldn't get to them <laughs> what part of morocco were you at i lived in a village called gafite and it was on the border like of the of algeria and morocco so oh. i lived way the fuck out there. the south or north side of the border? north north side yeah so it was, it was not that far from tangier or was pretty it pretty far from tangier was it far yeah. from tangier yeah how about from uh algiers far far yeah okay. i live like on the total opposite is, is it m- berbers Berbers, yeah, Berbers, and then Arabs. Um, yeah. I lived like um, south of like the Reef Mountains, okay. um, so right up there, facing like the Mediterranean Sea. I didn't see the Mediterranean Sea, but I could. Yeah, that was like my beach, which was so fucking cool. Yeah, <laughs> in the summer, holy moly, talk yeah. about awesome water. What kind of stuff were you doing over there? I was supposed to be an environment volunteer, and it didn't really work out too well doing that stuff. Um, just the people that I was assigned to work with, we just couldn't really get along. Well, mm. too many cultural differences, and I just, like most Americans, wanted to just get shit done. Right. So I changed my mindset and started doing music stuff a lot. And I taught a music. Well, I moderated a music club at a, at a English school in the big city north of my village. 
And through that, I met a lot of university students. And they were the ones I would partner up with because they most of them weren't from the big city. They were from smaller towns or villages. And I would get invited to go do something in their village with their little town association at their old middle school or something like that. And that was really fun for me because I could go to a village I'd never been to and play some songs. And I would only sing in English because I can't sing in Arabic. Right. And it's it was amazing to me to see how like happy it made people even though they couldn't understand what i was saying they can they when they hear the chord that i'm playing i'm hearing we're hearing the same thing you know what i'm saying like a yeah. like a g chord sounds the same to them as it does to me and there's no language barrier right so if i play a sad sounding song they probably they're probably going to think it's a sad sounding song without even hearing what, like lyrically what i'm talking about it it almost doesn't matter well, West African, West North African music, it's pretty amazing music. Yeah. Like, uh, th- there's a musician I, I like, Bombino. He's mm-hmm. uh, he's from West Africa. And he he melds traditional uh, Arab, West African Arab music mm-hmm. with the blues. Oh, cool. And, and it's such a well mix. Yeah. And because I, I have friends from Morocco, they're from Tangiers. Oh, cool. And they're like, oh, you got to come over here. Like, all these people come here and you should definitely Tangiers come is here. really cool. Uh, it's a whole different Morocco than I experienced, though. For yeah, sure. yeah, totally different. And that's what they tell me. They tell me Morocco's a small country, but so diverse. So yeah, absolutely. It's the about north, the size the of the California. South, the the yeah. east, west, the, yeah. d- d- different mindsets, even different mindsets, different food, different yeah. dialects of Moroccan Arabic, also. So it, when it comes to music, they they don't mess around in Morocco. Oh like, yeah, l- for sure. Like they'll bring back music and and. Music was a big part of them as individuals as well. Yeah, and they, I, I did it. So I, the, the, I'm stuttering. The, okay. <laughs> I do that all the time. Uh, the, um, the, uh, the school that I did the music club for is part of a bigger network, the American Language Centers, and so I got invited last November to go back and do a two week tour, where I went around and played all these different centers. I played music. I played like hour long concerts. And so I went to do a show in Tangier, and I went to go do a show in Ujda, which is the big city that was north of me. So it was like my hometown show. I did a show in Fez, Marrakesh, Casablanca, and then some smaller beach towns along the coast. Um, And it was amazing to me to just find people from all over Morocco, and they were all there to, like, see this, like, weird American girl, like, sing these songs, right? And, And I would sing Imagination, and they loved it. Yeah. I think because they love like that. Did they cry as much as I did? I don't think they were crying, but they yeah. were like foot tapping. And I think they, they really like that, like Johnny Cash, Elvis type stuff, rockability type stuff. And so um, they like, they people really enjoyed it. I got a lot of compliments on, on that song in particular. And then I love Bill Withers. So mm-hmm. I do a lot of Bill Withers stuff and, and they love Bill Withers. So, which is great for me personally. It's great to have like a 12 year old kid come up and be like, I love Ain't No Sunshine because I don't. Yeah. Uh, that doesn't happen enough here in America. Right. Like, <laughs> but in Morocco, it was like that's exactly yes. that's exactly what I meant. Where when it comes to music, they don't mess around. Yeah, because they're very. I guess I guess I'm gonna say educated when it comes to to music and where it comes from. Like yeah. it, like a lot of my West Af- Arab friends, they're like, yeah, man, we 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 love you know the animals. We love mm-hmm. stuff. And for me, I I thought I'm the the minority here listening to that kind of music. Yeah. So to hear that from them who are actually even younger than me, 
listen to the animals or listen to the yard birds and yeah. or, or even even farther back to to Robert Johnson. Yeah. I'm like, wow, you guys like you guys have this stuff? He did some work, <laughs> some history. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, I was always impressed by that. Yeah. Because for me, when I talk to my like uh, non-musician friends about music, they're like, Corey, I don't know what you're talking about. You're too old for us. Like, I don't uh. know. <laughs> 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 you know? Like, uh, uh, and that's what I mean. That, like, and not, not just Morocco. I'm sure there's other countries where... where I, I, I guess what I want to say is... They they not not I want to say appreciate, mm-hmm. but they're willing to learn more about music. I think, I mean, I think it's the the American mind mindset. I mean, we there's just so much stuff going on, good and bad, you know. And so I think we are. It's everything is so oversaturated in America, um, mm-hmm. and I think just Western culture in general that even if we wanted to take time to learn about where jazz came from someone just like snapchatted me or whatever i i don't use snapchat i my students are gonna laugh like i don't know what the proper terms are like is it snapchatting is it chatted is it snapped i don't know what it is but you know what i'm saying like you're like okay i'm gonna sit down and read and then your phone blinks and then you just have this like i mean it happens to me sometimes too where i have this like i have to respond right away man when i was in the peace corps i had like a nokia candy bar phone like i did when i was in eighth eighth grade oh nokia and all there was snake on it and it was exactly the same phone i had when i was like 14 and i was like you know i could give fine f if two people like texted me most people like most of the time no one called or texted me at all so sometimes you know my phone was so small it's in my pocket and didn't really notice it wasn't this like giant thing that's like bulging out of my pocket so you know so it was comfortable and then i forgot that it was even there sometimes um but i think it just allowed me to just be there and learn from these people and connect and it was a very intense cultural exchange and I think we miss that a lot in America even though you know we're a melting pot of so many different cultures and we don't know anything about each other because there's something always pulling us in a different direction um, and we don't have the patience Mm -hmm. and I think that's what it is I don't think we don't want to know I think there's just so many other pressures that are happening in our lives and I think that American pressure of like success and you have to be successful I think that drives us to take away from wanting to go see a show I think especially in San Jose and Silicon Valley South Bay there's not a hell of people going to shows all the time I mean I don't think it's for a lack of venues I think it's people are exhausted they're tired they work um, I mean, they work all day at their jobs, and then mm. their jobs allow them such great company culture because they don't want you to leave. They want you to stay, take a nap at Google, and then work all day at Google. And then by the time you get home, do you really want to go to a show? I wouldn't. I want to go to sleep, you know? Yeah. So you can't blame them, but I think that that's, that's the culture that musicians and artists are living in in, in Silicon Valley is that a large part of the audience are people that work all day and night. So who's going to come to the show? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think totally. that's that's just a reality totally. we have to face and I think it's something that can be changed, but it's got to take it, you know, we have to build 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 the community and there has to be awareness. Mm-hmm. Cuz there is cool shit happening in San Jose. And it was really like awesome. I was a part of Sofa Sofa Street Fair in April and it was really cool to just see like so many people out and my students performed and a bunch of my coworkers bands performed and it was just really cool 
to see that many people out and I wish that would happen more often so you have students performing so you're, you're a teacher now I'm a music teacher yeah at School of Rock I assume yep I, I assume because yes so, if, if you have, <laughs> it's true <laughs> yeah and is that the one in Palo Alto no it, oh. it's on San, it's in San Jose on Almaden Expressway okay how is that how is it uh, teaching young people music I look at it more as mentoring. I don't look at it as teaching. You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. these kids are, you know, the ones who are really great at their guitar, they're really great at their guitar, and they were good before I met them two years ago, you know? And now it's like, but they're reaching that age where their confidence is low, even if their ability is really great. Because that's what happens when you're a preteen and teenager. You feel like you're the only one who's different. And so a big part of what I feel my job is, is helping to keep, boost their confidence in a healthy way. Not make them cocky, but like boost them in a, in a way where they feel like even if when they leave School Rock and they're not, and if they don't want to be like an, you know, a pro musician or whatever, they still have confidence to do something else. Because getting on stage and performing and singing is not an easy thing. But if you could do that, then there's no reason why you, you shouldn't be able to give like a speech mm-hmm. in college or something like that. You know what I'm saying? Or in front of your company. Like I think those things can very much be parallel to each other. Because especially now you're not playing an instrument. So you're not doing, you're not multitasking. You know, you're only doing one thing. I have to give this speech and that's it. Um, and so for me, that's a big part of like my mission there is just to help them be the best that they can be while I know them in this context. Got if it. that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. So in some ways, you're telling them that music helps you not just within the realms of music, it helps you outside. Of Absolutely. Music as well. I mean, I think a big part of my confidence building, as I, you know, I think part of it's like my upbringing with my, my, my family and everything, but also um, kind of just deciding, like, listen, I can't stop playing the guitar. I love playing the guitar, I love playing music. And I love playing music for other people. And I love the way that, again, like just like what I experienced, you know, in my early 20s that you don't like music connects people regardless of your language. Like that was a very important thing for me to kind of try and convey to my students that, you know, I always tell them, man, if you got those babies dancing, those parents, especially at like Santana Row, you get those parents with the babies dancing, you've got them. Mm-hmm. I was like, acknowledge that baby. Tell that baby they're cool because they might not be able to understand you, but they can feel the vibe. You know, they can feel how happy you are. You can see how happy they are. Do they understand what you're saying? No, they're one years old. They don't understand what you're singing about. And it's probably for the best because we're singing some, maybe some suggestive Van Halen songs or Guns N' Roses. Right. But are they connecting with that drum beat? Hell yeah. Otherwise, why would they be dancing? So I was like, that's the language you speak. That's the language. So acknowledge that give a high five to that kid and that's super cool if you can get that baby dancing <laughs> like that's awesome i think it's super cool like when it happens to me i think it's the coolest thing in the world because you look at their parents and their parents are like happy and dancing and everyone's just like happy for a quick second right and it's not necessarily it doesn't it's not just about you anymore it's like about everybody just chilling for a second having a good time so that's what i they laughed at me i think the first time i told them about this getting the babies dancing but I'm like man once you got them you got them that's true <laughs> you know you got a good show going on um because they, they don't care little kids they don't care I think all we want to do when we're older is gain the same amount of confidence we had when we were like five years old 
we would dance and scream and sing like no one was watching. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, definitely. I, I look at kids like the little kids at the school and I'm like, man, I wish I could be as confident as you are. Yeah. And I'm 29 yeah. and you're five. But I really like how you're also trying to uh, mentor them that it's not necessarily about uh, expressing yourself, but it's the work ethic you put into something. Absolutely. Because I, I think that's something a lot of music, not just musicians, a lot of performers in general, whether it's stand up, whether it's all kinds, is you got to have a, a certain work ethic in the way you approach your work yeah. and the way you put it out there to the people. Yeah. Because you mentioned, you know, you, you do not want someone to be too cocky. Yeah. But, I mean, that's just not, I mean. But know. at the same time, enough confidence to right. in your skills. Right. And you got to be able to gauge that for yourself, you know, too. You got to be able to check yourself. I mean, I, you know, sometimes I have to check myself, too. Like, Do you feel like you get cocky once in a while? Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I think everybody does. Yeah, that's I, right. I, it's I like, think, yeah, I can play better than that. It's like. Fuck yeah, I killed that show. Oh, but that, you know, like yeah, <laughs> hell yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, sometimes but, I go to but, shows and I'm like, yeah, I'm a better singer than that person. But also, oh wait, they did something different than I did. I could learn something from that, and I think that takes maturity to be able to turn it around and be like, what can I learn from this person? Mm-hmm. Like, don't be jealous. What can you do to learn from that person? Because we're all learning from each other. So what can you take from that person? Right. And I think that's the turning point. That's when, like, when you become a mature person in general. It's like, what can I learn from this techie? What can I learn from this, uh, the janitor at the school? You know, like, what can I learn from all these different people from all these walks of life and apply it to my life? And how can I, you know, pass that on to, like, the next generation, I think, is yeah. key. But, um, yeah. Super tangent. This is maybe this episode's called uh, Sakura. Super tangent. Super tangent. <laughs> no, I, I think I think you you you, you hit the right the bullseye. It's because uh, I screenwrite as well. And oh, okay. I, I have a lot of screenwriters, cool. young screenwriters, asking me for advice mm-hmm. and, and stuff. And it's like it's like just read a lot of screenplays. And don't just read good ones. Don't just read the ones that that won awards. Yeah. Read bad ones too. Right. And don't disparage bad films. Yeah. Because there's even in bad films there's something to learn. Right, exactly. You know, why did this not work? Or why does this come off that way? And these are things you know you might do when you're first starting out, and it's very common. Yeah. I still mess as a filmmaker. I still mess up a couple shots here and there. Yeah. So. Oh, I mess up in gigs all the time, all the time. In stand up, even, and, and, mm-hmm. and now I play music. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm trying, and yeah. and it, but there's principles in all of these things of like learning from others, both the good and the right. bad. You have to learn how to fail. Yeah. It's not something... And I, it sucks. It, it sucks, sucks to fail. It sucks. And I don't think there's... I mean, I think... But it's important. When people beat around the bush and say that it, it, it doesn't suck or something like that, or that it's not okay to fail, you're doing a disservice. It's like, you have to fail. How are you going to know where to go from there? You can't... You're not, like, born and straight out of the womb like fucking Jimi Hendrix. Mm-hmm. Like, you... No. That doesn't happen. He worked hella hard you know to be who he was how you can't you know you can't expect that for yourself right out of the gate there's got to be a timeline there's got to be a work ethic you have to practice for any age this is not just stuff i tell my students this is just people in general of all ages um yeah <laughs> all right so now i'm going back this is like some oprah stuff happening so uh, not, <laughs> not, now i'm taking the conversation to back more okay we're going back because I, I, I'm getting a good chunk vibing from you. Okay. Now I'm curious to know. So you, you grew up here in San Jose. Yep. 
right? And it seems like you, you came from a working class family, right? Oh yeah, work maybe working poor class. I working don't know. Is class. anybody like working class in San Jose? <laughs> are we all working poor? Me and my family are part of the few working poor class here yeah. for sure. Um, how many siblings do you have? Three. Three, and they play music as well. No. Are you in the middle or? Yeah, I have two older brothers and one younger brother, so I guess I'm sort of in the middle. Oh, okay. How did I know that? Half. How did I know? I, did not, I, I just sensed that. <laughs> did you? Yeah. I don't know. Well, I'm a middle child. Oh, okay. I, 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 I yeah. Saw, so, and, and you said they're they're not into music? No, they love music. They just don't play. They don't play. My older brother tried to play guitar. So. It didn't. That's and it. for the most part, your family is <laughs> supportive of you doing music? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. From the get-go? Yeah. I think, you know, I was that kid before, like, my confidence thing switched when I was really young, you know, little. Like, I was that kid at the parties, like, dancing and, and singing. And, you know, my older cousins were really into, like, New Kids on the Block and stuff. And so that's music. Like, I would grow up, I'd see them dancing, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to dance too. And and then my mom said when I was, like, five or six, I realized people were looking at me, and I got really – and then it wasn't until I was 18. Your mom told you, hey, stop dancing. No, no, no. She didn't tell no. me that. She said when I was five or six, like – I realized that people were looking at me. Uh huh. And that bothered and you. And that and that freaked me out. And that I stopped. What What do you think? Where does that come from? Do you think? Um. You know, I I just I think people judge all the time, but people but we don't want to be judged. But everybody judges, and but no one wants to be judged all at the same time. So I think that's what it was coming from. I was just hyper aware. I was like, oh my god, people are looking at me, and they're clapping when I do something cool. And then they don't pay attention if apparently I'm not doing something cool. Like, you know, I think at a very young age, you can you can gauge that. Um, so I think that's probably what happened. I mean, that was a very long time ago. So I don't even remember that happening. I just, I do remember dancing. And then I remember playing guitar, like, in the closet, in my room, just, like, really quietly. And then L- when I was Literally in the closet? No, but, like, oh, you know, okay. just, like in the room like closed doors sometimes in the closet if I wanted yeah. to play really late at night right. just to keep it more quiet you know right. to muffle the sound yeah just... to just even muffle it even more it's like <laughs> I am like jamming the fuck out right now but no one can hear me <laughs> and it sounds terrible because I can't play guitar yet yeah um, yeah and and your parents are putting on music so like Johnny Cash and stuff like that not Johnny Cash not even Elvis I don't even know where Elvis came from like on, my grandma doesn't like my my grandma on my mom's side um, was one of those that didn't like Elvis. Because it's just like bad for the soul? Just kind? like devil's music or devil's something like music? that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so, I, I mean, Elvis wasn't really played in, in my house or Johnny Cash. So I, I just, I think when I started getting records, I mean, there was a period in college where I was obsessed with getting Elvis records off eBay. Like, it was bad. I had to give it up for Lent. That's how bad eBay that's got. Bad. That's how Where, bad. It wasn't like I was spending hella money on records. It was I was right. spending a lot of time looking at Elvis records, memorabilia, anything Elvis Presley. Uh-huh. And I had to give it up for Lent. My college friends laughed at me, but honestly, it's worked. I haven't bought a thing off of eBay like since an, like 2007. So for you, it was like an addiction. Yeah, I was, was addicted to like finding all these Elvis Presley treasures. Yeah. And through Elvis Presley, I started listening to to Carl Perkins and to Johnny Cash and a lot of that Sun Records stuff. Yeah. Um, so I don't I don't really know. I mean, I always loved those Elvis movies, and I think everybody knows Jailhouse Rock, regardless if you're an Elvis fan. So I think I just, me, I love history, and I love finding out how things work. So my brain was churning. I'm like, okay, well, where did this come from? Where did this come from? And then just kind of the rabbit hole of Elvis and all that Sun Records, rockabilly type stuff. Um, but in my house, it was... 
classic rock and it was Prince and Michael Jackson and Sheila E and, and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, when I first started playing guitar, my dad, I still have it. My dad made me this binder printed with um, really simple like classic rock songs. There's a lot of Eagles, some Cat Stevens, CCR, stuff like that. So when I first started playing the guitar, it was not like, let's play Blink-182 punk chords. It was like, let's play these let's play Hotel California, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, let's play a Cat Stevens song. And from there, you know, my love of like old 60s, 70s rock music kind of just took place. But I was like, okay, who sang Heard It Through the Grapevine first? It wasn't CCR. No. Who sang Proud Mary first? It wasn't CCR. So me trying to, right. and then, you know, finding Tina Turner and finding. Oh my God. Tina Turner's find- rendition of proud mary so good and finding uh marvin gay right marvin gay and then finding like gladys knight and the pips and all these people who covered this inherently just this brilliant song i love heard it through the grapevine but you know so me wanting to find out the history but also you know back in the day i didn't have a phone to distract me from anything we didn't have the internet anything like that so if I wanted to find out something, it was like, okay, you better go to the library, rent that CD, <laughs> you know, look up the look up the the in the history books. You got to go to the library, and so putting that much, I think, putting that much effort into like just going to a place where you could find information has has dictated now how I approach how how I approach music, as I'm always listening. Okay, where did they get that from? Where is this from? You know, I'm like figuring out the puzzle pieces to this artist's song because it's not just from one place. You know, I think you, you could argue a lot about certain genres and be like, oh, that came from the, I mean, you know, oh, that all, it's all from the jazz. It's all from the blues. It all goes back. You draw this map and everyone's like, oh shit, really? Like, yeah, mm. man. It's all connected. Yeah. It's all like, connected. Where the hell do you think Led Zeppelin got all that shit from? That's not them. Come on now. They, they Don't won, be foolish. They, they, they won a case recently, right? Oh yeah. They uh, won it for uh, Stairway to Heaven. Stairway. I, I already beg to differ about that one. I mean, that that sounds pretty damn close but yeah. i mean there are only 12 notes i remember i remember so. because I, I i loved zeppelin first i was exposed to that first mm-hmm. and then it was till later in life where i exposed to muddy waters I'm yeah like, wait a minute hey no yeah yeah yep, robert yep. not robert plant uh the other guy i'm i'm forgetting his name uh the guitarist ah someone's gonna kill me for this uh the leads uh anyway point i'm trying to make is the riffs from Muddy Waters I yeah, recognize yeah, in Led yeah. Zeppelin. Yeah. Um, but anyway, let's talk. A, 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 I loved your your demo EP. Okay. I, I listened cool, to, thanks. to 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 <laughs> okay. <laughs> three songs. Right? Yeah, there's only three. When did you record them? I recorded them last summer in Minneapolis. I was visiting one of my best Peace Corps friends, and he had to work one day, and uh, we well I had planned this out. And he was like, yeah, I have to work one of these days. And I was like, okay, well, I could either walk around Minneapolis and try and find something cool to do. You know, I just, uh, he lives in St. Paul, so he doesn't even spend that much time in Minneapolis. So I was like, okay, or you know what? I need to, I need to book some studio time. Maybe I'll just do that and I'll just get something done real quick. And okay. Cause I want to eventually record an EP, which, you know, we're almost done tracking and I just needed something to kickstart it. So I just found this studio booked uh, a day and a half and just recorded those three songs straight no metronome just boom right well writing those songs Mm -hmm. how long have you written them before imagination was written oh man in my bedroom chorus first (laughs) that i remember uh gosh it must have been almost two years ago 
um, the same thing with that with Selfish that was probably written about the same time. St. Paul was written the night before I went to the studio. And Were that, you in St. Paul? I was in St. Paul. <laughs> okay. And uh, that's why it's called St. Paul. And there was like these girls screaming like on the street. And my friend said he didn't live in like a great neighborhood. So I was just listening to these girls like screaming. And they just seemed like the what? world was against them. I don't know. They were like 13 and just yelling at their parents about stuff. And, and so Jesus. I, I don't know. I was just 13. Thinking, if you had my parents, I would have been gone. I don't know. She, I wouldn't have a face right now. <laughs> um, <laughs> wouldn't have anything right now. Um, yeah. So that one, I was kind of just messing around and wanted, I mean, that song to me, like that's really, that's not done. That song's not done. I could develop that song a lot more, but when I was recording it, the, the guy was like, this sounds like folk punk. I was like, oh yeah, I guess it could kind of be folk punk, whatever the hell that is. Just angry folk songs. Like, okay. (laughs) Um, but I thought it was cool. But yeah, that one was really, really quick night before. And I was like, oh, cause I didn't have a third song. I don't remember or if i did i switched it immediately because i was like this sounds more fun and and who knows so that yeah that mm-hmm. that's how fast that one that one happened and it's not i mean i think maybe now people can tell it doesn't sound totally finished because it's not but so i've already mentioned i love imagination i need to ask what inspired you to write that song that, that's about a friend's breakup not your breakup no it was but... about my friend a friend's breakup and she talked about it a lot uh-huh. and she kept asking, like, is it my imagination? Like, am I crazy? And I was like, no. Cause I, uh, and then I just, I don't know, I just started writing the song, so danger. You tell me some stories, I might remember them. <laughs> put them into a song. No, because that's fascinating, because that song it resonates so much, because it's yeah. like, like, I went through a breakup uh, a month ago, and I was like, yeah, like, sometimes like, is it just me? Should I, should I feel this way? Yeah. Is that, is like, is like, so it's just fun interesting that it's not your breakup but somebody no, else's yeah, breakup. Yeah, it's someone else's breakup. Um, it's just more powerful if I put it in first person instead of like her, him, you know. It, it, right. I, it, right. I think it can deliver a more powerful message. Um, plus, you know, again, I think the way I play guitar is very heavy hitting, so I think that helps. But that comes from drumming. I'm always thinking about drums. Always, right. always, always. Right. Anytime I write a song, I'm like, where will the drums fit? Where can I put a tambourine? Where can someone play a shaker? Can someone bob their head to this? Even the slow song, can they bob their head? Mm-hmm. Because from my experience with the babies, I'm like, that's where they're connecting. I think the kids are, you know, when you are at a concert and you hear just the kick drum, and it's just boom, 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 boom. The crowd is going crazy. And it's the most simple thing right. you could do. And I'm like, and to me, I'm like, why is this the way it is? Why? Why? Because it's, it's, it's a primitive drum beat i think right from, from, from the dawn of mankind the first instruments was the tapping of something yeah because you automatically develop sound and and, yeah. and rhythm and you can feel i mean you know sounds like vibration so you can feel that in your chest when you're at a concert well that's what music all it is it's all vibrations yeah exactly i mean, I mean sound is vibrations yeah me my voice traveling to your eardrum is made by these little follicles who are vibrating yep, creating exactly. that the science sound. behind it yeah. So that's why I feel drums are essential to to that primitive feeling of like wanting to bob your head. Exactly. Wanting and who to, does that better than a baby? Who do you, who does that better than a baby? <laughs> very very much. So indeed. if you got, the, I mean, I'm telling you, man, you got the babies dancing. Right. You got a good song. You got a good song, but you've got you've got you've got that beat down. Right. I feel like, I feel like that's your demographic for your new EP is, coming out. Is, is it's just for the babies. It's for the toddlers. Oh my gosh. Well, that seems to be, it's like, if I looked at my, like, YouTube 
analytics. I was looking at all my analytics today. Yeah. And obviously toddlers are not one of the demographics, but it was interesting on YouTube. It's like primarily females, like 25 to 34, which I expect. I mean, that's my age bracket. So, okay. How accurate are these YouTube analytics? I don't know. It's pretty specific. Oh, they get crazy specific. Time of day. Like. Oh my God. So I I figured out that like Fridays are the best day for me maybe to post a YouTube video. Like between like 1 and 2 p.m. Because that's when people are probably starting to not pay attention at work for the weekend. (laughs) Like die down. Um, But then on Facebook, it's like 13 to 18 year olds. And then 25 to 34 year olds. I'm like, man, I got some 14 year olds digging my stuff. Mm-hmm. interesting that's interesting. pretty fucking cool you know um but i i can't think that it's because of my lyric content i think it has to be the music part of it yeah you know i'm, I'm like no definitely the stuff i sing about is probably maybe not relatable to a 13 year old but they can pick up something from the guitar from the drums and i think that's what they learn hopefully from that from that song so how, how's your, your new ep coming out it is Real, I think it's very different from what I play live. Like, I play live mainly acoustic. And this is three of the songs. Well, three of the songs are um, mainly electric. So a lot of, like, nasty sounding electric guitar. Like, really gritty. But not a lot of guitar pedals. There's one. I use, like, one guitar pedal. Hmm. The rest of it's just straight from the amp and my Telecaster. So That's all you need. That's all you need. Everybody needs a Telecaster. I'm a big Telecaster advocate. Coming from acoustic guitar, the Telecaster is so simple to use yeah. that it's just like, let's just play. And that's all, you know, I don't want to be fussing. At least right now. I mean, eventually I might go down the rabbit hole of pedals, but, you know, for now, it's like, man, let's just play. Let's right. just jam. It, it, enough of the bullshit. Let's just yeah. get right to the music. Let's, just, let's get to it, man. We ain't got time. Like, <laughs> let's go. The world is dying. Let's go. You know, right, right. we're in a drought. There's limited resources. Let's just jam. Um, so yeah. But so it's coming. Uh, how many songs are you gonna have? There's gonna be five. So there was gonna be six. Then I was like, uh, I don't like the sixth one. Hmm. Let's go to five. And then I was like, oh, budget. Okay, let's go to three. And then I thought about it last week in the studio, and I was like, it just feels like a hole. Like there's a hole in there because it has to have those five songs. Like I came in with those five and that's what it has to be. So where are you recording at? At Hyde Street Studio. In San Francisco? Yeah. Um, In Room C. It's a well-known studio. Oh, yeah. It's super fun. I mean, I had to record in the room CCR recorded in. Of course. Got to get those vibes. (laughs) Got to feel those vibes. It's like our own Bay Area Muscle Shores Oh, yeah. Studio. Oh, I love that documentary on Netflix, Muscle Shoals. Is there a documentary? Have you seen that? Oh, my no. God, dude. You have to watch it. Oh. And I have to go there. You, I, have I, to. I have to go there, too. I have to go there. Well, I'll see you there. <laughs> I'll see you there. I got <laughs> to go there. My mom and I watched it. I watched it. Like I bought it on DVD, too, because I was like, one day they're going to take it off Netflix, and mm. I need a hard copy. So I still buy CDs and DVDs, so... Um, I bought it on DVD for for just the just in case purposes. Like right. if the internet goes down, I can still watch a movie. <laughs> yeah. I got guests who look at my DVD collection or my or the books or yeah. stuff, and I'm like, what are these ancient things? Yeah, pretty much. These words printed on paper. <laughs> it's like that's a book. <laughs> when are you expected to finish with the new? Um, theme? I think hopefully it'll be out in like September. Mm. It's fairly soon. Yeah. I think. Shoot, I don't know. I mean, I've got like. Three of them are ready to be mixed. Two of them I want to read. I want to uh, record like real vocals. There's just stra- scratch vocals right now, and I don't, I don't, I don't like them. And it's gonna bother me like forever if I don't do it. I don't think anybody would really notice, but I would notice, and it would bother me. So 
uh, I got to redo that. But um, artwork person, I found this girl on Instagram. She's like lined up to do the artwork. And that's the, I fucking love Instagram. I didn't think I would. Let's go on another tangent. I love Instagram. I Why is that, Sakura? I I'm a visual learner uh-huh. and I didn't have an Instagram when I first got back from Peace Corps and my friend Jackie was like, "Dude, you've got to get an Instagram for your music. You've got to." And I was like, oh, "Another thing." And at the time, I was just like all about Twitter, which I still I love Twitter. Um, and I was like, oh, I already have a Facebook and a Twitter and a website. Uh. It's overwhelming sometimes. And she's like, dude, that's why I don't have a Snapchat. I just, I can't fucking handle it. It's too much. I don't have a Snapchat either. Um, So she got me, she signed me up. And then she just started following like all these like Nat Geo stuff. Like I love science and I was a biology major in college. So I just, she just started following all these things and then all these bands we liked. And I, I love it. I love waking up in the morning and seeing a picture of like trees. I'm like, ah. And then, you know, seeing someone's like little 15 second cover. I haven't done the Instagram update Mm -hmm. because I don't like that it's no longer in chronological order. It's like, it's because Facebook owns Instagram. So it's like, it's just like how Facebook is now where you have like 300 people that like you, but maybe only like two people see it. Oh. Because you got to pay. What? That's how it is now. What? But you can load a minute video. So there's give and take. Um, So I haven't updated, but I've. It's getting a little slow, so I think my phone's working against me. It's probably like, you need to update to the new Instagram. So we'll see about that. But um, I yeah, that. I am like such a visual learner. I love, love, love the pictures. I love posting pictures. I love posting like videos. I mean, for me, if I look at my Instagram, it's it's just like hella videos of me with my head cut off because I don't show my face a lot because the, cam- the way the camera's angled on my desk and I just play like little 15-second covers. And so I fascinating. Love that. Usually, people, musicians would choose to show the face singing yeah. and the guitar. But for you, you much rather show the guitar. Oh, yeah. Have you seen the videos? It's like I I've show not. that I have like a happy face I've on not. all my guitars. Yeah. And it's like, show the happy face. It's all about the happy face I, I, on the I, guitar. I, it's fascinating that you do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, part of it is just like most of the time, it's like I just woke up. And so <laughs> it's like, uh, <laughs> but I have to like, but I got I got this song in my head. It's I got to do it right reason now. Why. Yeah, I got to do me, it like right now. For me, I'm like, oh my gosh, you have so much respect for the instruments and the music. And, you, <laughs> and you're like, no, I just had a bad hair day. I just didn't wash my face yet. I just woke up out of bed. Sometimes I'm in my pajamas yeah. and I do it. Um, but no, I mean, also like where I put my phone on my desk, it like, it literally like cuts me. So without me figuring out, getting the tripod out and all that crap, it's like, I'll do that if I, I record like all my cover videos on my iPhone. Because mm-hmm. I don't have a fancy camera, but the iPhone shoots hella good video. It shoots like thirty frames, sixty. You can shoot four K, but my laptop's hella old, so it can't handle the four K. Yeah, it's scaring a lot of traditional filmmakers out there. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, well, shoot, I already have the iPhone. Might as well use that. And I have like, well, you have the Focusrite um, interface, so I just record it the audio separately and then try and link it up so it doesn't look too much lip singing like, even though it's they're both live but right. you know gotta get that line up <laughs> gotta get it lined up really you, you, well you gotta do the clap sound yeah so you sync them to the clap exactly great alright well we reached the one hour mark usually, holy moly it's usually we start closing up what the hell did we talk about um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, pretty much last question I, I usually ask my, my guest okay. is uh, what are some things that you would tell yourself when you were younger that so like the things I tell my students right now, um, pretty much I guess. Be respectful. 
They're not going to listen to this. They're not? No. No? No, they probably will. <laughs> if I put no. it on Instagram, they're going to listen to it. Um, no, pretty much. If you saw the musician, you're, the, the, that that 13-year-old yeah. playing in the closet by yeah. herself. <laughs> so sad sounding. If you saw her today, what is some advice that you would give her? I'd be like, girl, step up. Like, just be loud. I think, I mean, my friend, you know Marty. Morello? Like, oh, yeah. He, yeah, so... People get us confused all the time. I feel so bad for him. But, like, you're Mexican and he's Filipino. Come on, people. You are Mexican, Don't look right? at me. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, well, I wasn't sure you'd be like, no, I'm El Salvadorian. Like, oh, crap. Here I go. Latino? Um, yeah. That's... I don't... You guys don't look anything alike to me, but... Good to hear. Because yeah. people are like, hey, you're Marty. I was like, no, Marty's such a better musician than <laughs> I am. I, you know, I don't, don't want to disappoint you. You're like, Marty always walks around with a guitar with no guitar case. <laughs> like, how do we look alike? <laughs> Which he does all the yeah. time. Um, no, but for Sofa, I was going to, you know, they put me on the acoustic stage, so I was going to be acoustic. And I was like, man, but I really want to play my Telecaster. And he's like, just be loud. He's like, do it. It fits you better. I'm like, okay. So I did it. Yeah. And one of my students asked me to turn down. It was like, I was too loud. I was like, oh, sorry. It was. It was really your, fucking loud. Your students have you on check? Yeah. Well, they were at the show, and and, and they, they they were like, can you turn down a little bit? <laughs> well, I mean, it was like in their face, so it was really loud. What venue were you playing at? I was at the sofa market. So I was playing in like this hallway thing. In the market. Got in it. the market. So it was it was loud, mm-hmm. I admit. But, you know, I disclaimer, I am a loud performer. Um... But yeah, so I, I think I would tell my 13-year-old self that, you know, which is which is hard because I tell them, the, my kids, this now and, you know, they're, they might not get it until they're older. But, like, it's okay to be different and it's okay to like the kind of music you like and, you know, things like that. And so for me, hiding the fact that I loved all this, like, old Motown stuff when I was 13 and just being like, yeah, I'm totally going to listen just, like, NSYNC all the time, which I love, but hiding that other half that, like, oh, wait, I really like this music. And when I perform guitar, like, with the guitar, like, this is the type of music I like to do. Like, I don't identify singing that pop music. Um, you know, that that's what I would, like, do you. <laughs> do you. I think to sum it up. So that we don't simple. go on more tangents. Do you? Yeah. Um, yeah, and just you know, stand up for yourself. And um, you know, there's a there's a difference between being confident and being cocky about it and being arrogant. So finding that balance. And if you're a good person, regardless of your talent ability, someone's gonna want to work with you. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're a jackass, no one wants to work with you. Who cares if you can sing like an angel? <laughs> you're a jerk. No one wants to work with you. So. Um, I we, we, we say that a lot at the school. You got to be a good person to work with. And if you're a good person to work with, you'll get the gig. Even if maybe the other person is older than you or been playing the guitar longer than you or more talented in some respect, you'll get the gig because you're the good person to work with. You're the responsible person. You're the respectful person. So um, not that I wasn't when I was a kid, but, you know, there's always room to be more respectful. <laughs> well, collaboration is a big part of music. Oh, yeah, for sure. And you and you have to, you know, be able to find that balance when you collaborate with somebody. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, cool. so Cora, where, where can people get to look at your stuff if they want to learn more about you? So obviously, I'm on Instagram because I just gave them a huge <laughs> shout out. Um, yeah. yeah, so they can go on my website, sakoramusic.com, um, YouTube. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that. If you just type in my first name, I'm usually the first one that pops up on all that stuff. So um, yeah. 
So, Cora, it's a pleasure having you here. Thank you for having had me. Had a great talk. Oh, we're good? Yeah. We're had a good, good talk? We're good. We okay. had a long talk about a yeah. lot of stuff. It's great. <laughs> and, I, uh, and I believe you're going to send us off with a song, right? I am going to send you guys off with a song. And what's the name of the song? I'm going to do Imagination. Which is funny because I was going to do that before you said it made you cry. It's, so it's funny. I was let's gonna, record those tears. <laughs> let's record those tears. We'll reenact it. We'll put it in the background. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, uh, let's have you perform Imagination. Awesome. Awesome.